and maybe if I, you know, figure it out, I can get it now. So at the time, I was living across the street from a Barnes & Noble, you know, and I, I walked over there and I got, I bought a book on ASP, on BB Script, on SQL, everything. And I just started pouring my heart and soul into just learning whatever I could. So I learned how to you know, do, you know, SQL, ASP, the whole nine yards, started you know, showing them that I could build new pages, make effective changes, all that kind of stuff. And so after they searched for a little while, they, they wound up coming around and said, hey, we'd like to offer you the position. Have you ever wanted a job but haven't been qualified for it? Our guest today never let that stop him. At 19, Adam Kuntz dropped out of college and taught himself how to build websites all while working the night shift. That began a lifelong career of constantly learning new things on the job, which eventually blossomed into his own digital marketing and web design agency. The Founders Podcast. Listen to the stories of how everyday extraordinary people start amazing businesses. Hear how they overcome the odds and find success in the entrepreneurial world. The up and down, the good and the bad, and everything in between. And now, your hosts, Jordan Hansen and Brandon Minard. Okay, welcome to the Founders Podcast. Today is really excited to have on with us Adam Kuntz. Adam was the founder and owner of Symbiotic, a digital marketing company. Symbiotic manages the online digital marketing aspects of businesses all over the United States, different different states all over the place. Services include SEO, business-to-business, lead generation, pay-per-click management, web design, web development, a lot of different things. You can visit him at symbiotic.com. We're excited to hear more and learn more about Adam's story and his company, but without further ado, Adam, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Great. Yeah. So thanks for coming on. I've, I've worked with Adam for a little bit, about a year and a half, That's right. but excited to hear more about Symbiotic and kind of your story. So yeah, Adam, we're really glad to have you on. I want to know just more about Adam. Are you a native to the Valley? Yeah, more or less. I mean, I wasn't born here, but I moved here when I was like an infant. So I grew okay. up out of Nampa. I'm a Nampa High graduate. So Nampa High graduate. Oh yeah, good for you. There's not. I don't. I feel like the number of those people, just in, in general, people that graduated from high school here, they're still here. Yeah, yeah. No, I was actually the the last official class when there was only one high school in Nampa. So, oh really? So Skyview opened the year after I left. So do you feel like kind of a cool guy? Because oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, naturally. <laughs> and so in high school, I mean, we're here talking about business owners, entrepreneurship, right. especially, you know, right now you're doing digital marketing. Right. Uh, have you been doing that for very long? I guess I really want to start at in high school. Were you entrepreneurial at all? I think at some point I wanted to be, you know, but you're still kind of in that phase where you're trying to figure out what your way is going to be, you mm-hmm. know, so you're, you know, there's things that you're interested in, but you know, the notion of like being a web developer in high school wasn't really a thing for me back in those days. But I, I, I kind of grew up like always wanting to be maybe like an engineer or I liked inventing things and I, I knew I wanted to be in charge of something, you know, and I kind of grew up in that that world where we'd watch cool movies like you know war games. I don't know if you ever remember that oh, yeah. one with oh, Matthew yeah. Broderick. I thought that was so cool that how he great. could just like hack into things and tweak things to his advantage. So that kind of got me excited about like computer programming and that sort of thing. So 
you know, I had a computer growing up and I was doing code when I was, gosh, I don't know, sixth grade or something like that. Really? Just so what was that? Like basic? We're talking like basic. We're, right? we're talking yeah. about exactly basic, basic. C++. Yeah. yeah, not even that. Just basic, mm-hmm. you know. And I remember my parents, we, we used to work through the church a lot and we uh, had this program called Sponsor a College Kid. This was through the, a church out in Nampa. And uh, one of the guys was a, gosh, a software major of some sort. I can't remember what it was, but he came over with like a hundred games on like a stack of discs. That's what it took back in those. <laughs> was it the yeah, five yeah, or the, the hard and, and a half floppies. Okay, so it was the floppy. <laughs> yeah. Not even the hard floppy. But he loaded those on. And so we had all these little games. And, you know, they're the type of games that you can like use your cursor and hit space bar to yeah. jump. That kind like of a Space thing. Quest. They had the tentacle. Yeah, it was like Jumpman. And, jump. you know. Uh, My favorite yeah. was that Tank Wars game where oh, you'd like yeah, shoot Swartz different. Earth. Scorched Earth. Yeah, that Scorched was absolutely Earth my favorite. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's that may right. have come after you guys, one. after you or but. Yeah, there was all variety. So he uploaded all those and taught me some things. This was no, this is like sixth, seventh grade. Yeah. Nice. Something like that. So you're like, you know, your parents had comp- now, I remember my parents brought a computer home. I was probably sixth or seventh grade, but I think you're a little older than me. Did they your parents why did they get a computer? Gosh, I don't know. I don't remember the Genesis story of how we got the computer. I just knew we had it, and it was kind of one of those things where it was mostly me using it. Mm -hmm. You know, it just quickly evolved into, like, I was the guy that was gravitating to it, so... I really enjoyed like getting on there, messing with things, seeing what I could do. You just run like basic little command line scripts, be like, "Oh, look, I turned my screen blue." You know, yeah, just fun and you felt like things. the coolest guy ever. Oh yeah, yeah. he was like, "Look, I'm going to be the next Matthew Broderick on board <laughs> games." You know, so that's right. What did What did your parents do? What did your dad do? Was my dad's he... a real estate agent. Oh, is he? Yeah. His whole your whole life, he's been that, or I mean, since he he joined, he started doing that like some time after we moved to Idaho. But ever since I have memories, he was a real estate agent. Gotcha. out in Nampa. It's interesting too what you said was you always wanted to be an engineer because one thing I I know about you that stands out is you're very analytical. Oh yeah. From what I know. And yeah. you're very detailed and your you know, your assessments of the different things I've worked with you right. on. Yeah. So that's very always true. Yeah. And that that bleeds over to my personal life. It, it? it annoys my wife at times, but <laughs> Okay, spreadsheet for everything. Kind yeah. Of. Yeah. I mean not, not yeah. Yeah, to some degree, it's right. like that. <laughs> yeah. So then you were you went to high school in Nampa, and you right. and then you went into college. What did you do after high school? Yeah, so um, yeah, in high school, I, I mean, I think some of that part of that story is important because I did take programming classes mm-hmm. in high school. By the time I was, my I senior, can't believe they had programming classes in high school. Was that just writing st- commands on a board, or what? No, did no, they? no. It was, a, it was an actual computer. Lab. Really? Yeah. And I don't know if we were just fortunate to have had a teacher that was capable of teaching it, so they made it a uh, part of the choice. But we had this really um, great, like it was like a calculus teacher, and he he decided to teach a programming class. So year one was like basic, and then mm. they decided to have an advanced class. There's only like six of us in the class, and, and so that was Turbo Pascal. There you go. And so he was, you know, it was more or less like an independent study. He'd come in and kind of give you guidelines of what we needed to be working on, and he'd help you with like logic structures and different things. But then he'd kind of go you know, grade his calculus papers and stuff and leave you alone for large swaths of time where mm-hmm. we could kind of do our things. And it was more or less about building projects. So one of like the, the coolest things I got to do for my senior project was I, we were all supposed to develop a game of some sort and it was like a three, four months long project. So the game I chose was Breakout uh, or, or Brick Breaker or whatever it's called. So you probably remember the one where it's got like the little pong mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. uh, thing at the bottom and a, a ball is bouncing around the screen and you got to break the bricks mm-hmm. and each brick scores a point and it starts getting faster and faster as it goes so i was able to design that game in pascal 
and I had to print out my code. And at the time it was like one of those dot matrix printers that, mm-hmm. you know, they all stick together. And it was just this inch thick sheet oh, of gosh. paper of all the code that I wrote for that thing. So. That's super valuable though, right? I mean, to work yeah. on that type of project. What grade? No, did, what year did you, gra- I'm just astounded. What year did you graduate? That was 96. 96. That's there is no way we had a programming well, class in, in Eagle High. Yeah. I know in, in like 99 at BSU, the computer science classes had, you had to write your code on the board. You didn't even yeah, have a did, computer. Computers were there, like, so that's pretty geez. impressive yeah. for NAMP. That's yeah. really impressive. That's Good right. I, I think I did take like a, a, a coding class at Boise State for my first year and it was way more archaic than what yeah. we had. It. Yeah. That's great. I know. Yeah. Who is this teacher? I would like to know. Do you remember his name? His last name was Hayashida. He was a Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm who knows what happened to him. Yeah. First name Mr. As far as I feel like that's pivotal <laughs> at all for you. What's that? You feel like it was pivotal. I mean you're already into computers already. Yeah. Do you feel like that changed the trajectory at all? I don't know if it did at the time, but it did in hindsight because, you know, like shortly after, it was actually my first semester in college. You know, at BSU? At BSU, yeah. So I started BSU. I was kind of just, I don't, I don't know, I think I wasn't ready for all the freedom I had, so I didn't stay stick with my classes as much as I should have, and I was probably partying too much and stuff like that, and so I wound up having a, a baby like right out of the gate. So yeah, I, by the time I turned nineteen, I was a father, and so it made it really hard to go to college full time. Yeah, and so that's when I, I I took a job at Zilog. If you remember, I that was Zilog. Actually, my brother worked at Zilog for yeah. a long time, and that's what my mom did too. So she was the one that got me the job there, but you know had to start paying child support and all that kind of stuff. So I needed to make more money. Mm-hmm. And the, the most money you could make was on the weekend night shift. <laughs> so I got to work, you know, from 6 p.m. to 6.30 a.m. Thursday oh. through Sunday with every other Thursday off, Ooh. you know. So it was kind of a brutal shift, you know. And so at what that years time. was that? That was probably. Gosh, that would have been like. 98? 98 to 2000. Yeah, it actually would have been 98 to 2000. So two exactly. years. And Zilog shut down in 2004, five. Yeah, yeah I'm not, it may be. Yeah. yeah. I, so, you know, and I'll get to that part of the story. But yeah. I, I was actually still working for them during those those years. But, yeah, at the time, it was sort of like I was just getting by. I was like, man, what? A, I don't want to do this forever. Like, what am I going to do? And it seemed weird that it wasn't obvious that I would be in programming at the time. But it, Well, I, it wasn't. I mean, yeah. I'm a software engineer right now, and it wasn't. Yeah. I don't feel like it was obvious, at least for me. I was always into computers. I didn't think I would go into computer work. I thought right. it was just the nerds, like hardcore nerds yeah. who were going to do it. And looking back, it was... Silly, but right. So yeah, I, th- I don't think that's crazy to me. Like now, it seems crazy because it's like we see how good yeah. the market is now. Yeah, yeah. But, no, but I, there was a time when I was just like, I remember I see, saw a flyer for the Art Institute, and they were doing like an open house in Boise. I think it was at the old Red Lion, whatever that is nowadays. But so I went over there and kind of saw all these different booths, and I was really going because I was interested in maybe doing like computer game design or something like that. And this is why you're at Zilog. Just while I'm, and you're kind of just like just trying to find something. Else, I can't you know? do this anymore. Yeah. Okay. Well, just uh, I knew I couldn't do it forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, standing on your feet, twelve-hour shifts at night. What did Zilog do? I don't remember. The, oh, it's a semiconductor company. Oh, okay. Yeah, gotcha. So yeah, I was in the in the fab, literally running wafers through. You oh, know, gosh. And, and they ultimately become my microchips you know so but yeah it's kind of a it's a very sterile environment you got to wear a hairnet and you know if you have a facial hair you got to wear your beard mask and a coat and gloves the whole nine yards and so it's it's not a great place to stand for 12 hour shifts (laughs) so 
So anyway, I went to this this thing and I saw this kind of little booth on the side. It wasn't getting any attention. There's hardly anybody there. And it said like design and development or something. I'm like, oh, well, what's this, you know? And, you know, kind of before that, I, me and my friend, we had like our modems and we used to connect to like back in the day, they called them BBS, like BBS yep. systems. So we would go connect to those and get some games, you get some games, you could like get instructions on how to make like a cable box to like, you know, hack your cable or something like that. <laughs> so it, it, I don't know, it was just like this sort of cool little community, you know, back to that growing up in the computer age, I just thought it was cool. So I went over there and checked this out. Well, that was kind of like when the web was really starting to get going. And, and so I thought about it. I'm like, oh, what's this all about? So I went back home at some point and kind of just looked more into like what that even means and realized that it was like, you know, HTML and well, what's that? I haven't really even seen what that is. And I kind of looked at the code. I'm like, whoa, this is like super simple compared to like yeah. any kind of real programming. It's like, I can figure this out in no time. So at the time when I was at Zilog, I'd got put into a part of the, the factory that was sort of a, a new process. So it was one of those situations where I had to man the fort, but there was only like actual work to do like a few times a shift, you know? So you'd have to be there and be ready. But I was kind of twiddling my thumbs for pretty long periods of time on these 12 hour shifts. And luckily I had a computer with internet access in that section. So I'd go back out there, open up a text file, start cranking out HTML. I'd be looking online at like, you know, coding courses and like how to how it all works together but back I, then i mean yeah. i think you say coding courses so casually there yeah. was no code i mean yeah. it was like you had a scour like it's not like you to yeah. me all these things you could find now youtube has like sure. tons i mean where did you find code? i can't even imagine the kind of i don't even know like I, don't, I think it was pre-google so i was probably going on like netscape Yahoo Navigator, yeah netscape yeah uh -huh. something like that and just searching like how to do html wow. or something like that wow. I remember, I think it's still there to this day, but there was a site called lynda.com. Mm -hmm. um, now it's like a big page, Huge, like yeah. training thing. But like back in me. those days, there was a lot of free stuff on there when they were trying to get going. So I remember seeing stuff on there and kind of learning how to code and all that kind of stuff. So just but, taught yourself. So you saw it, you learned about it at, at the the fair, or job fair, whatever it was. I learned that it was a thing. You learned yeah. that it existed, right. but then right. you kind of taught yourself. Yeah, exactly on right. I would say nights and weekends, but it's kind of fortunate you could just do it job i was yeah that's exactly how it worked so you know fast forward a little while longer i was looking at like the you know because we had like our intranet there and i saw this position in in the california area for a web administrator so they were looking for somebody that to basically help do html to help the person in charge of the website at the time uh, i was like oh for, i can do this for xilog for xilog yeah. so it was an internal job posting so i was like oh well i can do that so you know, I kind of went out and decided to create like a personal resume site just to say, hey, I can like code HTML and it was terrible, but you know, it was, it was something done in HTML. So applied for the position, lo and behold, I got a call. It was kind of cool because my mom had so much contacts throughout the years. Someone that she had worked closely with for a really long time was kind of like in an HR role. And so she was able to get me in front of like the right people at the corporate office, which was in the Silicon Valley. And so, you know, next thing I knew, they're asking me to come out for an interview. They're going to fly me out there. And it was kind of funny. I remember uh, my dad taking me to shop for a suit. 
So <laughs> he bought me a suit, and I show up in a suit. I'm the only guy except for the CEO that's wearing a suit <laughs> in this place because you just don't realize what casual culture is like in, in Silicon Valley. But don't you think it maybe helped to stand out? Maybe. Yeah, it could have. It could have. I'm I, hoping this job, this story ends with a job. So It did, yeah. <laughs> there we go, so maybe. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly what happened. So I wound up getting the job and relocated to California, and that's kind of what got me out there. and. I spent 20 years in California before coming back about four years ago. So hold on, going back to your resume site, mm -hmm. adamkuntz.com, is that what it was? And then could we like go back and visit that? <laughs> Way back machine? I don't I even know if I would know what that domain is. It, I was gonna it, say, it certainly wasn't adamkuntz.com. Did you have to buy the domain? And I'm so curious, exactly. I want to know uh, like, yeah. how did you know to register? Like your D, you, you had to set up your own DNS. I don't even like, know that I bought a domain. I think it was one of those situations where you get- You hosted it yourself? No, I think, you know, if you remember back in the day, oh. they kind of had like these sites where it'd be like, they're going to put ads or something on it. Oh, yeah, it's probably yeah. one of those. Okay. You know, sure. so there's going to be other stuff around it, you mm -hmm. know, but you can go create a free site and they wanted people to do that because you know if one of them took off then they get some ad revenue mm -hmm. out of it so yeah so yeah that's really funny i just can't i just, I just can't imagine like i mean what that was probably 2000 how, what year was it was that? 2000 when i moved to california so 2000 so i just can't like i can't imagine even thinking about how to register like you know set up dns and registered domain yeah. or anything like that well and, and actually that's one thing i kind of forgot about backing up just a minute like after i i knew that i wanted to do this thing i saw that there was a place out in the out in boise that was doing certificate programs for what something that was called a certified internet webmaster ciw you can get a certificate because there weren't colleges teaching this mm -hmm. stuff you couldn't get a degree at that time doing this kind of thing so i'm like well maybe i can go do this and like it'll just you know put some credentials behind what i'm trying to do so this was actually before I applied for that job. And so that's when I was able to learn about like HTTP and DNS and some of those kind of things, just how it all worked together and managed to at least get my certificate that nobody cares about anymore. But web webmaster, you don't right, put like that? the comma behind your name and say it might. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it might be. I, don't, I just don't think it's a thing. Nobody yeah. asked for that anymore. But at the time it was sort of like, you know, what was my resume? It was like, my high school job, it was working in the fab. It's it's this one website that I built and this thing, the certificate that says I passed, you know. And How'd you get the job? I mean, but that was the interview questions. Is it just because just you were well-spoken? I mean, how? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I just, you'd have to ask the manager at the time. Mm -hmm. I'm not really sure. It's probably because I was cheap. That would be <laughs> <laughs> Well, take us through because... You know, going back into, you're in the heart of Silicon Valley, right, right before, you know, a little bit of a crash. Yeah, it's a dot-com. Yeah. Right so there. take us through what happened. How was that job? I mean, how long did you stay there? What did you do? It was good, actually. Like, this is where, like, things got interesting for me because, you know, I'm doing the job for, gosh, eight or nine months. And, and my manager at the time, she was the webmaster. They still called them that back in those days. <laughs> they don't have those anymore. But yeah. she calls me over to her office and she says, look, um, I just want to let you know that I've, I've handed in my resignation. So she was German. She was living here, but she decided she wanted to move back home. And so she's like, yeah, I'm putting in my two weeks. So that's that. And I said, well, geez, where, where does that leave me? She's like, it's your website now. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, really? <laughs> Were there only two people doing the website for yeah. Zyla? Yeah, and that's kind of how it was back in those days. Like, wow. I mean, and it's still like that to some degree these days, you know, but she was running the website by herself. Um, she hired me to help her with some of like the minutia tasks so she could be a little bit higher level, more strategic and that sort of thing. But now when you say running the website, is that like updating code? Like there, she's like oh, periodically yeah. going through and just adding additional features, new 
yeah. pictures or what? I mean, because it wasn't like a, it's not like an application, right? It was more like a billboard kind of site. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, it was, it was custom coded. Um, right. It, but no one was like, you had, your employees weren't logging in. No, not on that site. I mean, we had customers that might log in for certain things and, you know, it was stitched, it, it was enterprise stuff. So okay. there, there was, um, enterprise grade search engines. It, it had to tie into like our Oracle, like ERP mm, database. Okay. So you did have some like application, web application work in there. Yeah. Yeah, okay. absolutely. So like, you know, in order to like get inventories up in front of customers that all had to come out of the Oracle database. So we had people that were managing Oracle, managing Linux systems. It was a, it was an IT position at the time. So like, uh, you know, my first web gig, I was in, under the IT hood, but yeah, I mean, I was, I was low man on the totem pole. I could do some CSS, a little bit of JavaScript and HTML. I wasn't at the level of understanding like the, the coding languages behind what made the whole website go. I didn't know like server side programming. And at the time it was pre.net. So it was ASP classic. If you know what that I've is. I've done plenty of VB script. Yeah. Classic ASP. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so she gives me this news, and I remember, like, you know, I, I got pulled in with, like, the, the director of IT, and who was ultimately my manager in, in HR, and they said, hey, look, we want you to just try to keep things going in an interim phase. We're going to go out, and we're, we're going to find someone to replace, you know, your manager, and I said, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. I mean, I'm kind of still a newbie here. I'd only lived in the Bay Area for about eight months, and so I went home, and I kind of started thinking, I'm like, well she, you know, in the interim, I'm going to do the position that I want to have in like five years. And maybe if I, you know, figure it out, I can get it now. So at the time I was living across the street from a Barnes and Noble, you know, and I, I walked over there and I got, I bought a book on ASP, on VB script, on SQL, everything. And I just started pouring my heart and soul into just learning whatever I could. So I learned how to, you know, do, you know, SQL, ASP, the whole nine yards started, you know, showing them that I could build new pages, ch make effective changes, all that kind of stuff. And so after they searched for a little while, they, they wound up coming around and said, hey, we'd like to offer you the position. And a little while. How long is that? How many months? Gosh, I don't know. It, it was probably only a couple of months. Now, yeah. did you think of yourself as ambitious at this time? This to me, I just yeah. feel like amb there's ambition here. No, I mean, yeah. um, there's a lot of people who are just going to be like, nah. Okay, but you went out on your time, like off time, go over to Barnes and Nobles and read those books that are not, they're dry. Yeah. It's oh not yeah. going to be fun reading. It's hard, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you're just doing this just so you can do better in your current job, and it worked out great. It did, You got yeah. the position, but yep. did you feel like at the time, like you had, you were an ambitious person? Yeah, I would say so. Okay, yeah. so you knew you had, you're like, I'm going to go farther yeah. than this. I don't want. To. I always knew. Yeah. I always knew that I was going to just keep driving. I'm, I'm still kind of that way that, to this day. So it's, you know, it's always one of those things where, you know, I just want to continue improving and seeing how I can make things better for myself or for others, you know? So it's so funny because you're like such a chill guy. <laughs> like you just seem right, like in this conversation, at least you're just like a chill guy, but you're like, you know, that's a serious, I, I am sure I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. I'm sure I just would have been like, I'm, do, 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 do. I just yeah, do my that's, stuff. that's incredible. I mean, the amount of hours right. you had to put in reading and then testing, right. I guess in your apartment or in your house, wherever you're at, well, building it, all that, or how did you? Yeah, it was exactly that. It was just kind of reading, like, you know, downloading whatever sort of like test toolkits that I could and like just running things and you're doing like little hello world apps and like, can I get information from the database and write a query? I remember I had a, a colleague in the next cube over and like, 
you know, I, I didn't know how to do complex SQL queries, but she did. So I'm always over there pestering. Can you just like, what can I do to get this data? My in? left you join know? isn't get, I had nothing exactly. coming back from my left join. What's going on? That's here? exactly right. Yeah. It was exactly that. Did and you, so. did you guys have e- like, what type of email applications do you guys have? Cause I've heard different yeah. stories. Like you had to write your own program to send emails back in the day. And oh Yeah. Well, no, I mean, back then, come on. At that Top point, I know, but I heard like large companies had yeah, to do different applications. Like internal kind of a yeah. thing. Yeah. At that uh, point, it was it was like Microsoft Exchange okay. server, so that that stuff was off and yeah. running, you know. Mm-hmm. And and there was like a whole host of other kind of like you know big enterprise applications. So we had a big search database that was plugged into the site, and you know, and obviously like all the Oracle complex stuff that had been running business systems for years was there. So there was a lot of smart people there, but. So, so you're now the webmaster. I was the webmaster. So that was did it come so with that, a promotion? It did. Raised yeah. too. I got. Uh, yeah, I think they. They. Gosh. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I was. I was grossly underpaid compared to everybody else that was in my department. But you know, I think I went from like 40k to 60k or something like that. Did you that. feel like you're doing? Were you pretty wealthy? I mean, back then, California was expensive. Even back then. Yeah. I, you know, it, it's tough. I felt pretty good about the number because you know when you were. See, I moved out there. I was 21 years old. I had my 22nd birthday right after I moved there. And, you know, by, by yeah, sometime in my 22nd birth year, I was making like 60K or something like that. And I felt pretty good about no that. No college, too. Coming from an Idaho yeah. standard. Yeah, no college, too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so that felt good. But the thing you got to realize is, like, I was living with roommates here. And so when I moved there, my rent quadrupled. Mm-hmm. You know, because now I pay for a, a one-bedroom apartment by myself. So I, I think I was paying like two eighty or something here to share a room, and out there I was paying fourteen hundred. Oh gosh! Yeah. And there's like, you know, I got to walk my laundry down to the community laundry, mm-hmm. and you know, you're just sandwiched in with all these apartments and stuff. So you don't feel like you're on top of the world. You still can't really afford to go get like a nice car or any of that that kind of stuff. But I at least felt like I was doing something I enjoyed, and I was moving in the right direction. So did you? Well, feel- Sorry. Oh, that's okay. I mean, from here, it kind of moves into a, did Zilog feel a, a pinch with the crash that came and the bubble or what, what ended up happening for the next couple of years while you were there? Yeah, th- this is still pretty far pre-crash, you know, because crash was around 2008 or so. Well, I'm thinking the dot-com bubble. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was thinking. They shouldn't have infected too much, I would think, by that, because they were not that kind of company at all. Yeah, but you know what happened is the the salaries in the Bay Area got inflated during the dot-com bubble. Mm-hmm. So, you know, where I'm – it was it, it grew to become frustrating for me. I'm not sure, but at some point I think I realized that I was, like, the only guy that wasn't making six figures in all of IT. I was also the guy that was always, like, first one in, last one out. And, and marketing people were constantly coming to my cube. We need this. We need that. We need this. We need that. And, and it was just – I didn't have like enough career maturity to say no. So I just kept taking it on and taking it on. And, you know, when you're young, you kind of just think that's what you have to do. Like work late, work nights, work weekends. So I can't tell you how many times I left that parking lot by myself in the dark, you know, and, and then had to come back the next day, you know, and that, that's one thing I grew. I, I feel like I got burnt out of that really young, a lot younger than a lot of people do. So, you know, a few years later, that's when I was like, I need to go back. So I, I started asking for a raise and, you know, it's time to readjust me and I, I, I need some help. Like we need to get some other people. I can't take all of this on all the time. And so it was kind of funny. I, I remember talking to the HR guy at the time and he's just like, well, you're what we call a, a fast riser. 
know, and that was part of like the start of his story for why he doesn't, they don't think that I should get paid what I'm worth. So I was like, okay, fine. Like I'll just wait it out. So I started looking around for other jobs and lo and behold, I found something better that, you know, really brought me to that next level. So that was with my next company, which was called LumaLeds Lighting. And to this day, they're still one of the, the largest suppliers of LEDs in the world. And so I took over running their website as their first official web guy. <laughs> so, so were you, did you feel happy as I like besides these and the people you're working with your boss, do you feel like it was a good place? Oh yeah. We had a really good sense of community there. Like met a lot of great friends. Like, I mean, I've got Zilog history that goes back to when I was a little boy. You know, my mom worked there from the time I was a little boy. I was the bat boy for their softball team. Mm-hmm. You know, so it goes way back. And I was one of the few guys at corporate that actually, in fact, I think at the time my, my mom had told me that I was the first one that ever got promoted directly out of the fab into a corporate job. <laughs> you know, so when I was Fast there. Riser. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so when I was there, I was like, you know, nobody that was in the department with me with IT had ever spent any time in a fab or, you know, kind of had ever really put their hands on what we were actually making. I was really the only guy that had seen and done a lot of that. So, you know, it was kind of cool at the corporate level to see these engineers that were really there to build a product. And I could actually understand what they were talking about because I used to work with the engineers on the fab floor to actually push the wafers through. So it was, it was kind of a cool perspective at that time. So I, I don't regret it at all. I remember at this one point, um, there was a big group of us. We got together and did something called the Providian Relay, which was like a 200-mile relay that goes from the Napa Valley down to uh, Santa Cruz at the beach. It's a 24-7 relay that someone's always running. Hmm. So there was, gosh, I don't know, 10 or 12 of us, and we started up in the Napa Valley. We start running. And then you do your leg, you hop in the van, you try to get some sleep, and the next guy goes and stuff. So it, it was a cool time in my life, really cool memories. I think I was mostly single during that period of my time, life. So it was kind of just cool to, to, to do all that stuff. But it was time to move on from a career perspective. So then you went to your next position. I forget the name. It was uh, Luma Leds Lighting. Luma Leds Lighting. Yeah. And so same town, I'm assuming, yeah. in Silicon Valley, and you were the web director there. and. That was in what year was that where you left? Do you remember? Gosh. Yeah, maybe 2003 or four. Thereabouts, probably 2004 would be my guess. And then you were there for a number of years until you, or how did that story go? Yeah, I might be getting my timelines wrong. I, yeah. I felt like I spent about five years at LumaLed. So, yeah, that was a, a great gig. I mean, we we were really growing at the time. That was about the time that LEDs were kind of going from, you know, these indicator lights to being actually like bona fide light sources. And, and at the, at that particular time, our goal was to more or less drive awareness and attention that like, we've got so much light that can come out of these. Everything that you see that lights up was a potential market for them. So everything from TV backlightings to camera flashes on phones to, you know, it was a little bit before they were good enough for headlights and cars, but they were already doing like brake lights, tail lights, all that kind of stuff. So it was really interesting to kind of jump out of the IT side and then into the marketing department. And that was like the first time I actually got into marketing. When I was at Zilog, we were still owned by IT, but everything I was doing was to service mm-hmm. our marketing objectives. So now I'm reporting to the guy, the director of corporate communications. And it was kind of like another one of those things where I was the only web guy 
And, and part of what that helped me grow is like what you see today where I'm doing like digital advertising. Right now you have a digital marketing agency, but you have a lot of software background, but this is kind of where it married the two together. It did. Yeah. Cause I I come from that software background, but it was always sort of like, well, you're in charge of the site. We need to, we need to do some SEO. We got to like rank and search and like, Oh, like we need to run some ads. So it's everything kind of lands on your plate. You know, and in hindsight, it's like, well, that's kind of silly because like to have a, a website, it's a it's a storytelling job. It's a design job. It's a coding job. Mm-hmm. All these very different disciplines that come from different sides of the brain all have to somehow come together to like build like a cohesive product. But in those days, it was sort of like the web guy does it all, mm-hmm. you know. And so that's, I taught myself SEO. I taught myself digital marketing. I, you know, go to conferences. I would look at blog posts, watch YouTube videos, you name it, because that's just kind of how this whole space evolves. You know, there's just, it wasn't a place, everything that's new is too new to have like courses at college to be able to be taught. I think one of the most valuable lessons that I've learned is how to teach myself things. Well, you had that from an early age. Yeah, yeah. no formal really. training in any of this. Yeah. Like none of this. You've had formal training. It's no. all just been you just learning on the job or on nights and weekends trying to figure it out. Yeah, more or less. Yeah, especially when, I mean, when it comes to the SEO stuff, there's not, I mean, there, there's certainly tips and tricks and stuff like that. But most of, if you think of what the industry's doing, it's it's guys swapping notes. Yeah, you know? swipe What did you try? Right? What worked for you? What didn't yeah. work for you? And then you kind of build some conventional wisdom. And then you take what, what does Google say we should be doing? And you're like, okay, well, we should be at least feeding, feeding the beast what it wants, you mm-hmm. know. But at the same time, like, you can't just, like, take everything at face value because at the same time you're trying to, somewhat manipulate where your search your your website appears in their ranking so you need to talk with other people so that's where these communities come into play you know did you find yourself gravitating more toward marketing during this time or did you still like software i mean how did the how did that feel during that time i yeah i really like the marketing side of things because I, I i i got a lot of satisfaction out of what i did could generate revenue that could you directly help. felt that versus when you yeah. just make it the website you don't necessarily feel it yeah and i don't know if i always at that time would get credit for those types of things. But, you know, at LumaLeds, we went through a period where, you know, we were, gosh, like number one for the word LEDs or LED lighting and all these kind of things. So, you know, because it was just like there wasn't a lot of people that were invested in actually doing SEO. And frankly, in those days, once you kind of knew the blueprint, it was kind of easy to game. It's just sort of like, well, put a bunch of keywords on yeah. this. And yeah. You could actually tags, use keyword yeah. tags and stuff like yeah. that. And like all that stuff's gone. It's way more complex now. But back in those days, it was like, all right, well, once I figured it out for one page, it's like, all right, let's shift gears, different page, same tactic. And now we can just rank for whatever we want, you know. Remember, you know, you probably know all the stories, but in the in the day, you could just like have white font and just type the oh, keywords yeah. in the background over and over and yep. over, and it would, you know, register those. So that's kind of funny. Yeah. Now, now that's uh, SEO spam, and you can yeah. get yourself get banned, hit, penalized, yeah. Yeah. You can get penalized for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff like that. Back black in hat, days. gray hat, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But uh, no, it was good because, you know, we, we saw tremendous growth during that period. You know, the company was thriving. You know, I, I remember when they first crossed their like first billion dollar revenue threshold, which was pretty huge. And, you know, I'm sitting here thinking like I'm literally running a one man website show for a billion dollar company. Like that was pretty remarkable. Like, yeah, you're directly responsible for a large part of right. that coming in. That yeah. traffic coming in, that's all converting. That's yeah. Yeah. 
The funny thing is, is like, you know, flash forward to this day, you know, I, I was with another agency. I've got my own. Lumilize is still a customer to this day. I still oh, of yours? Of yours. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, you're still running it. Never stopped working for Lumilize. Really? <laughs> yeah, not once. So, not since then. So did you go from Lumilize to your own thing or did you go to another? No, that. so I left Lumilize and joined a small boutique agency. There was about five or seven of us at the time. So it was a company called Design Works. And so they, you know, focused on doing branding, marketing, web what development. Were you hired? I mean, what was your, they hired you as a marketer or as a software? I mean, I was, the, I was hired as the technical director. Okay. So my, my role was going to be to just um, manage all the technical engagements. A little more on the software projects. side then, but still yeah. marketing. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you think about like, I mean, oftentimes there's different segues and different ways into like the way a creative agency might help you. And very oftentimes people will say, well, we need a new website. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's sort of like, all right, well, let's unpack that a little bit. And it's like, well, what about your brand? Is this the best foot forward you want? And, and who's going to write all this content? And what are you even going to say? And like, you know, what, what, what's your persona going to look like and all that sort of stuff. So then you kind of start unpacking all of this and you realize, well, geez, we, we kind of get our, got to get our house in order and our story straight before. How'd you learn like personas, how to do it? Well, it wasn't just me. I mean, that's, that was the nice thing about side. being you part of that kind of, yeah. So mm -hmm. I was just like kind of having a seat at the table, listening to my colleagues, like walk them through that part of the process where they're doing like brand studies and, you know, interviews with executives and all that kind of stuff. So it, it was really valuable to have a seat at the table because it starts making sense. You're like, yeah, that's totally right. And at, at the end of the day, I got to put a website together that's going to connect with another human being with some sort of desired goal in mind. And if you don't have your story straight and you're not able to like clearly articulate that, then the result is that they're just they're just going to go somewhere else. Are you writing yeah. copy too, or are you just helping just? At the time, I wasn't. Okay, you know. so they had copywriters, yeah. at least. That kind yeah. of stinks. <laughs> it's not very fun. At least I don't like writing copy. Yeah. No, I, I get involved in that sometimes, too. Brandon, no. Adam does a good job. So then you were doing the boutique technical director for a couple of years. Right, yeah. What I love about your story so far is, Adam, you've gone through every single stage from the very, very beginning mm -hmm. of digital marketing. I mean, yeah, there's so many true. people you talk to that have been doing it a couple of years, but you've literally seen the birth of digital yeah. marketing until now. No, that's so true. You, and yeah. you've built on every single stage and seen the ups and downs of, of all of that. No, that's, that's completely true. And I, I try to sell that as a value with the agency oh, yeah. now, you know, a lot of these things put me in a really good position to eventually become a business owner and a founder. So, you know, that, that was a, a real unique position to be in, to just get exposed to all this, you know, and, and being at the boutique agency, the nice thing about that is it's a it's constantly hearing about people's business challenges and constantly having to think about how we can help them solve them. So that's really rewarding when it actually comes to fruition because, you know, the last thing you want to do is say, hey, we got this business problem and then you kind of fall fat, flat on your face and they still have the business problem when they're done. Um, you know, and as an agency, you're typically only as good as your portfolio. So you know, people are going to ask around, see what you've done. Do we have referrals? And, and largely that interview process is what have I done in the past? And so, you know, I often say, you know, even with my current customers or prospects, I say the way that we kind of get business is by kicking ass with the last one, you know? Yeah. That makes sense. What what brought you from where you were at the boutique? Did you just say, I see an opportunity? Did you get frustrated where you were at? I mean, did you go from there to starting Symbiotic? Or how did that evolution go? Yeah, that, there's a story there too. So, you know, when when we 
this was actually, I think it was around the time. So this is when we get into like kind of the bubble bursting, you know, 2008, 2009, 2008. So we did have to downsize some, we were looking at like working partial weeks. We had to lay a few people off. There just wasn't as much demand going on at the time. So we, we kind of went back to a core staff. I think at one point we had maybe eight, we had to get down to about four. I think it was. And I kind of still lived through that, but we needed sales. And, you know, I was a technical director. We had a creative director. We had a studio manager and we had the owner. And it was like, well, which one of you guys is going to do sales? So me and our creative director went and did sales training for, gosh, better part of a year, I would say. And I think at some point, the, the, the sales trainer said, I think Adam's got a real aptitude for this. I think he should be your guy. And so, you know, the owner at the time pulled us apart and she says, you know, in addition to being a technical director, we want you to like be the guy answering the phone, going out on sales, you know, gigs and stuff like that. So did you hate that? I didn't, you know, it, it, it made me nervous at first and it felt super awkward trying to like, you know, go through these parts where you're trying to, you know, ask a lot of questions and like, you know, probe people for what the real problems were. Cause you know, more or less you want to kind of get down to the point where you're like, well, what is it you want? And here's how much it costs and will you pay us this money so we can go mm-hmm. do it, you know? And oftentimes people, you know, you don't realize that, they might not be in the position to prescribe what their problems are. They think they know and they think, oh, I've got a problem with my business and it's going to be solved by a new website. You're like, all right, well, let's unpack that. Well, what is the problem? You know, and like as you dig a little deeper, you might realize, well, it's it's the website, but it's it's how it's being done and how it's being delivered. And so sometimes, you know, if the customers were overly prescriptive, it, it could also be a way to fail, you know, in that project. So through asking a series of questions, you can kind of get to what the real problems are. Oftentimes that became larger, but more meaningful, impactful engagements. So we could actually help solve the problems. So this is your first real foray into the outside, I guess the sales portion. Oftentimes that marriage between the internal, which is what you've been doing your whole life into the, well, now I'm outside of the walls and I'm going out. Right. Sometimes yeah. can be incredibly shocking and difficult for people to adjust to. Yeah. Blessing. No. I just feel like that's such a, I mean, it's, I bet it, if it was me, I would probably would have been dragged, not pumped. <laughs> yeah. But I just think what a, I mean, that helped you learn so it did. much. Like that's so valuable. It did. Yeah. And I, you know, I, it, it wasn't part of my personality comfort zone. Definitely not at the time, but you know, it was kind of like, I thought back to like that time when I was like, I got to go read the books at Barnes and Noble. It was sort of like, I got to push myself out of my comfort zone because here's an opportunity like, you know, and, and frankly, I was trying to save my own job and that of my colleagues were trying to like stay afloat. So, you know, I just said, all right, let's, let's do it. You know? And so you get that butterflies in your stomach every time you're going on a new sales meeting, because, you know, oftentimes you're talking with VPs, CMOs, CEOs, like guys in the Silicon Valley that are, know power players at times and it's really intimidating especially when you're younger and new to this so you're trying to go through that process and succeed so I would just kind of put on my best face forward you know a little bit of fake it till you make it but is that late 20s you think you're late 20s at that point yeah probably late 20s early 30s at that time yeah young I mean if you're talking to VPs these guys are there could be some people that are very experienced and you're a young guy going in there yeah. Yeah. And at the time, you know, I would say that like now that I'm older looking back, it's like uh, there is a certain thing about kind of like having age and a little bit of gray hair. It makes you feel like 
people respect you to know what you're talking about a little bit more than when you're younger. It's like, what does this guy know? Like, like mm-hmm. what, what kind of 20 something year old is going to teach a CEO how to run their business, you know? So I, I didn't really have like that kind of confidence behind my consulting advice at the time to, and I was still not really sure if, if it's the kind of thing that I should be charging people for, you know? And, and that was one of the things the owner of my last agency kind of taught is like, you know, you're actually really good at this and you, you bring a lot of wealth of information to the table. You should be proud of it and stand by it. And, and this is part of our business. The advice we give is exactly our product. So it was kind of her that helped me like get past some of those fears and realize that it's like, oh yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe I do know a thing or two about what I'm talking about. So, you know, it gives you that confidence to make it a, a service that you can sell. Well, going, I know going from working with just employees that you never, who you never charge, right? Coworkers. Right. To then yeah. go into the outside world and having to stand behind your price. Right. It's not easy. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, every engagement is like a job interview. Yeah. You know, it's like, I feel like in some regards, I've been on more job interviews than most people have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. And so you did that during the kind of the recession. Right. From 2008 to whenever, to 2012, 14. How long did you yeah, I was at Design Works until yeah about 2014. To, oh no, 2015. Yeah, and so kind of the way that story evolved is that at one point, um, you know, I'm doing the sales thing. I've kind of like more or less become the face of the company. So I was going to be the first guy you spoke to on the phone. I was going to be the guy that was coming to your office, you know, giving the presentation, writing the proposal, walking you through all that. And for the most part, I, I wound up being the account manager on top of that, which is a, it's a tough position to be in when you're, you're trying to sell and do the work at the same time. It it puts you in a position to have a revenue roller coaster basically, because as soon as you close a gig, then you got to work on it. Now you're not selling. Now your pipeline's drying up. So you finish the project, you got to go figure out where to get that pipeline back again. So it's just up and down all the time. And at the time our business, we didn't really have a lot of contracts in place. It was literally project after project. So a lot of sales, uh, very uh, unsteady revenue. Mm-hmm. You know, we could have like months where it was hardly anything coming in. And then we might have windfalls on big projects that would kind of make up for those months, but wasn't the kind of business I ever wanted to start because I didn't like that level of risk. So, but anyway, at some point, you know, because of like all the stuff I was doing, she pulled me aside and said, look, I'm planning on retiring soon. I want to sell this business. You know, I, I can't do this forever. And I'd like to sell it to you. I'd like you to be the guy. So, oh, okay. Well, is that a surprise? I mean, oh yeah. Well, I, to I me, just, hearing the story, it's not a surprise. But at the time, maybe I mean, you were kind of yeah. Hindsight, I mean, she'd been running it for a while. She was getting older. She, you know, I was having grandkids and stuff, so I can see it. But at the time, I was just kind of head down, like working every day. So you're not even thinking about that being a possibility. So she actually put me on a. a plan where um part so you were like yes i'm in yeah no well and, and she structured it in a way that was very little risk for me you know she's like there's no obligation to do anything we're going to structure your bonuses so you can put like a discretionary amount into the fund that can go to to the company so you just started to buy if you equity. choose not to you get all that money back you know <laughs> i was wow. like and and then i you know got like kind of a stake of, or, or a percentage of our sales at the time so i was like all right well I'm getting a, a, a raise. I've got like, you know, upside on the bonus. And then at the end of this thing, I might be able to take this thing over. And I wasn't necessarily ready to take it over, but I thought, Hey, three to five years from now, when we built enough, maybe I will be at that time. So and were you married at this time? 
I think I was, yeah. No, I was. For and sure. your wife, how did she feel about it? Was she like, yeah, no? She, yeah, I mean, because there was really no risk in it, there, right. there was no reason not to. I have to. not heard of a better buyout offer. Normally there's some, yeah, you got to have some risk. You gotta right. pay some money out, but. Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, yeah, why not? Let's do this. So, I mean, I, in, in a way, I got all the benefits of being an entrepreneur without any of the risk. You know, because I was running it on a day-to-day basis. I had to put out the proposals, make sure our profit margins were there, you know, do all the sales, all the delivery, all that kind of stuff. But I didn't have any of my own money that I could really put up for it. So, yeah, it was it was a fantastic opportunity for an entrepreneur that nobody really gets. So. And what about the other people there? Were they, I mean, were any of them bitter? You got the, you were the golden child? I'm not really, no, I don't think so. I'm not really certain they knew the level of the deal that I had or what was coming. I mean, we were, we weren't making it public knowledge to everybody that she was going to retire at some point. So we kept that under wraps for, I don't know, three or four years, you know, but, but then when it came down to it, you know, fast forward to the end when she was like, all right, it's time to put up or shut up. You know, we, I, I want out, you know, her husband's health was declining and she wanted to be able to spend some time, you know, living life and just being retired. So I looked at it and I, I think she wanted like a half a million dollars for the business. And I, I maybe had, gosh, 50, 35, $50,000 or something like that to go towards. So it was, it was going to mean I, I was going to need to take out some loans to make it happen. So I was just like, man, I don't know. Like uh, I, I started thinking like really all I need to do is replace my salary. I'm not sure if this is the business I want to take over. I feel like maybe if I go out, I could find, you know, $150,000 worth of business to keep myself alive. And You're saying but, you thought, I mean, yeah. what were you getting? You were getting the brand a little bit and probably some customers were already there, but you right. felt like, man, I did these sales. Yeah. I could probably go do it again. Right. And get that again. I just didn't feel like I needed to go into debt yeah. to do that. So, so I, I just told her straight up, nah, I don't think I'm going to be the one to do it. I, you know, more power to you if you want to go find another buyer. So... So she went on the hunt and lo and behold, she found one, you know? And so he Did started, you stay there? I was still there at the time. And so he started going through his due diligence process, quickly realized that I was a pretty instrumental part of this. And it actually taught me a lot about like what it looks like to sell a business, especially a creative agency, because you realize that it's so much about relationships. Yeah. And yeah. So so we we started having one-on-one meetings. Me and the new prospective buyer were going out um, to dinners together and stuff, kind of looking at like what this thing that we're going to build is going to look like, and you know, negotiating some terms. So he wanted to bring me in as a partner on on the buyout, and so I think I was going to get maybe ten or fifteen percent into the business or something like that. And that was fine, but I, I didn't like where my salary was at the time. Keep in mind, it's still Bay Area. Things are really expensive. So I think I had asked for like an extra $15,000 in my salary, and, and, and that was it. And that was kind of where his red line was. So he said, oh, sorry, it's not going to work out. And so I wasn't really sure what that was going to lead to next, but um, kind of in the midst of things, I'd already started um, – tinkering on symbiotic i came up with the name i had already so kind it was of already brewing as soon as you turned down turned her down well, said, okay exactly this is something i could do myself yeah so I, I started you know i filed my llc and you know at least got the domain name going started building a website all that kind of stuff i think i'd taken like one small like side hustle gig you know it was my first one probably back in like 2014 or something like that but yeah when it all fell apart i remember i went to lunch one day 
you know, left my office and came back and my computer is gone and it's all unplugged. I'm like, oh boy, what's this? And so it was a family run business. So her and her husband were standing there and she's like, oh, can you come in here for a minute? I'm like, oh, oh gosh. So the, your heart starts pounding because you know what this conversation is. So I get in there and, and they're basically saying, you know, after all this time, I hate to do this, but, you know, we can't have you as part of design works anymore. So I got like my last check. So she, know. that's interesting that she did it. It was like a, like a part of his sale condition to say, Hey, I think so. Cause he yeah. was worried that you're going to have too much power, which is true. Yeah. 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 Did you have hard, hard feelings toward him? No, not at first. Not until I realized that had I, had I joined and, and bought in with him, he immediately bought another agency that I was not going to be a part of. So he had like a master plan. So he would have basically essentially diluted my partnership share like in half at least immediately. And I didn't know any of that was going to be happening. So that, that would have been a bit of a gut punch that, so I, it's you kind know, of a, you kind of got spared then. I did. Yeah. Yeah. For $15,000, you know, yeah. so it was sort of like, okay, well, you know, and, and the funny thing is that day I got walked out, we, we were in this cool little like old Italian village in San Jose and they're, they're all these like kind of renovated old classic houses that are that was turned into our studio. It was really neat. So next door, there's like a little Italian coffee shop. Well, I didn't drive that day. My wife and I carpooled. So I've got my little box of like seven years of stuff. There wasn't even that much. And I, I walked next door with my little box. I didn't have my computer anymore because I was company property. And I called Dana and I just said, hey, I just got laid off. She's like, what? You know, because she knew like, I, I mean, I was kind of, the whole agency, you know, she's like, how does so that So it kind happen? of felt out of the blue. You really didn't see it coming. I should have in hindsight, but I guess I didn't. Yeah. yeah. I was still a little surprised. I knew something was going to happen, but, um, I think I was waiting for it to happen. You know, I, I needed a push, you know, that's essentially what happened. So I got, instead of a push, I got a kick. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, I went next door and, and my wife's like, all right, I'll, I'll take off the rest of the day. I'll, I'm coming to get you. And, and so she comes and picks me up. She's like, let's go, let's go get a drink. <laughs> Did you have kids at this time? Yeah. Yeah. I think we had Caitlin at least. Um, yeah. Trying to think of the timing. Yeah. 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 So we've got two girls now. But. It's stressful then. You probably, felt, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know where your wife was at. I mean, it sounds like you're both working, but sure. still, it was at least half, at least half your income. Oh yeah. Well, on your rent, $3,500 a yeah. month in the Bay area. So, you know, so we went back and looked at it and I think we had, I don't know, I, I started doing like a burn rate calculation. I'm like, all right, well I got like $35,000 in like whatever I took out of like that, that fund for the company. I've got 401k. If I have to get there, like I can burn it. Like we're going to take a tax hit, but at least mm -hmm. we don't go hungry you know, and then like whatever other savings. So we figured like, I don't know, I can give this thing a good solid try for about 18 months before I got to go look for another job. And so, so we go over, we were at a, a place, it was a mall, like with like one of those restaurants attached called BJ's. We're having a couple beers and just kind of like reflecting on our next move. And inside of, of that mall was an Apple store. So she's like, well, let's get one more round. I'm like, you know what? No, let's, let's not. I'm going to go over to the Apple store. This thing starts now, you know? So I went over there, got my credit card out, bought a laptop, went home, you know, was able to recover whatever files I had on a shared drive to, you know, cause I, I was building symbiotic on my other computer. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So, but I, I had stored some stuff in like Dropbox or something like that. So I just started going to work, updated my LinkedIn profile that night, the night I got laid off. 
And overnight, I got an email from one of our DesignWorks customers. He's like, call me, tell me what this is all about. So I get him on the phone, told him what's going on. He's like, well, you're the only guy I've ever worked with there, the only guy I really give a rip about. So I'll send you NDA paperwork. We'll, let's just keep it going. So like overnight, oh. I already had my first customer. Now before so. this, before that call with the first customer, right. do you feel like that was the scariest time of your professional career? Oh, Yeah. 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 Cause it was, it was probably the only time in my professional career where, you know, I just, I didn't know what was coming next. Yeah. You know? And the yeah. interesting thing I always is, left jobs yeah. with another offer in hand. I never had that moment where I didn't know where my paycheck was coming from. Right. I think that's yeah. interesting. Some people go through times where they get laid off or they get forced to do it. And you had never had that up until this point. Right. And sometimes it just happens like this where you zero control, you were doing a great job, right? but it didn't matter. Yeah, the circumstances yeah. happened where it wasn't yeah. working out. No, and it's just what I needed to like. Because in hindsight, it's like you know, if if I look back, I'm like, man, I wish I would have started this in 2010 or 2012 or something like that. You know, but that that's kind of like the the thing for me is like I was always afraid to take risks. And I had another friend who runs one of the biggest agencies in Silicon Valley, maybe even it's getting global now, but he used to tell me all the time, he's like, you're way better at this than me. Why aren't you doing this? And Know, he would give me all those pep talks. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. But then I'd go home and I'd look at like my rent payment and the two kids. And I'm like, oh, I just can't, I can't like take that kind of risk. You so know? you had like almost the golden handcuffs. There, yeah. Right. You're getting kind of stuck into your full time job. Exactly. That yeah. kind of forced you to go out and do your own. Yeah. And fear. Are you know, conservative? Just, Were you, are you a conservative guy, do you think? Maybe in some regards. I, I definitely was from a career perspective. I wouldn't mm -hmm. consider myself conservative outside of that, but yeah. Professionally, I mean, you wanted to take care of your family. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yep. How did the first few years go with Symbiotic? Was it a, a roller coaster up and down or just smooth sailing? All uphill? I mean, yeah, more or less. It kind of grew steadily, still is, you know. So, like, in a lot of ways, I mean, I started it in earnest in 2015. I feel like it's still new to some degree. Like, you, you kind of look back, you're like, wow, that's like seven years ago now. And, like, where did the time go? But, you know, it's still like my new company to me <laughs> some, at some point, you know. So, yeah, it's still still growing strong. You know, it, one thing led to another right after that. The challenging part starting a brand new agency is because, like I was saying before, you know, everybody wants to look at your portfolio. Well, legally, I couldn't. And all the stuff I'd worked on at uh, DesignWorks wasn't mine. So I couldn't, like, put those up on my website or any anything like that. So I had to work within customers that knew what I could do now, and I needed to wait for projects to come in so I could actually say this was uniquely symbiotic. And then, you know, I could start building that portfolio to go get new things. But, you know, one of the lessons I've learned kind of looking back is, you know, LumaLeds jumped on board and is now a customer. So they were a DesignWorks customer, and I worked with them then. I think what they did is they, they let whatever budget they have expire and spend it with DesignWorks and then the new agreement they signed with Symbiotic. So I had to go in and like repitch myself to people I've been working with for years, but we had to go through the process. So, so they jumped on, but you start to realize in your career, especially if you have entrepreneurial aspirations, all those relationships you meet along the way could be future business contacts or customers someday. So if you had so, burned bridges, you're yeah. saying it wouldn't have been like so easy. Yeah. And I was, I was always kind of one to not burn bridges, you know, part of it's just human decency. And part of it is just like, you never knew, you know, it always felt like small world stuff, but 
in hindsight, that was really true because, you know, a lot of those people are now customers to this day or someone I worked with, you know, says, oh, if you need a website, go talk to him. You know, all those referrals come in and that's where the business comes from. It's not necessarily from just going cold and like finding brand new leads that have never met, you know, Symbiotic. And so what brought you back to Idaho? Well, you know, when I got things started, like, you know, for the most part, I'm, I'm working out of a home office every day. It's mostly phone calls and emails. I would go in and, you know, meet with customers in their office, but they weren't, you know, they don't, they don't need to come to ours nine out of 10 times. So, you know, pricing was going up. My wife and I, we'd actually had a condo back in like the dot com crash that we had to short sale. So it, that cut us out of the market for about seven years and we weren't able to buy because we'd done a short sale so the bank, banks wouldn't lend to you. So we came out of that and we were starting to think like, hey, let's get back in and buy something. And you start looking at the housing prices and, you know, the, the neighborhoods you want to live in, you can't afford the ones you can afford, you don't want to live in. So I remember we were talking to a, a lending officer and she can't even like give us the numbers with a straight face because you know, they're so high. It's like, all right, you're going to need 300,000 down and your mortgage payment is going to be eight grand a month. Oh, wow. you know? And during our conversations, like evolving, we had kind of told her that my family's from Idaho and that we were going to go, you know, we always go out here and visit for Christmas. And, and it was starting to happen where people were talking about like, oh, Boise's like kind of a new hotspot. So, you know, she had heard of it and everybody's starting to know people that have moved here. So she gives us like these options of what we should do with our, our, our purchase price or whatever. And so she presents the high ones. And then she says, third option, move to Boise. This is a oh, lender yeah. in Silicon Valley. Yeah, it's who just, wouldn't have made any money off of this, right? Oh, no. no. That's good no. for her. Yeah. And, you know, w- when my wife and I first met and we'd come up here, she's like, don't ask me to move to Idaho. You know, she's born and raised San Jose gal. So I'm like, this is my, my career's here. My company's here. Like, I'm fine. We're not doing that. And, and so she needed to hear it from another person. She wasn't going to take my and word And this for wasn't it. a plan you had with the lender, right? No. <laughs> we had to plan this together. Not at all, okay. no. So, yeah, so we went out. I think she got that seed planted in her head, but it was really her. Like, I was working from the house. I could afford to take flights to see my customers. I mean, you know, flying Alaska or whatever, I would get there at, like, 10 a.m. in the morning. I could have an 11 a.m. meeting, lunch with friends. I'd be home by dinner. So it was it was a perfect situation. I did that for a while after we moved here. And so we came out for like a, a typical, you know, visit my folks at Christmas kind of a thing. And my dad's a real estate agent, so he's always taking us out for houses. We we used to just like doing that for fun anyway. And so he's like, Well, why don't you why don't you talk to this lender here? Just get pre qualified, see what we're talking about, you know. And I he knew what he was doing, but I'm like, Yeah, I'm kinda curious too, so let's check it out. So we gave her some numbers and she gave us back a prequal paper and it was like, wow, we can afford that here and look at what that buys you, you know? So we started looking around and we ultimately found the house in Eagle that we're in now. And my wife was like, let's do it. You know, like you can still work from home. You can commute back when you need to. But, you know, I thought, geez, I'm having like two meetings a month in person. Like it, it makes a lot more sense to live here, pay less, own the house and just it like five or six hundred bucks a month on flights you know so you know here we are visiting christmas no plans to to buy a house we left you know with an offer accepted and we moved here by march of that year oh, wow. you know that's what 2018 then 2017 yeah we've been here about four years yeah about 2018 awesome. it was yeah 
Yeah. And, and, and after that first year, it was kind of funny. I didn't even tell any of my customers that I'd moved. And when they'd say, hey, can you come in on Thursday? I'd be like, sure. And I'd go book a flight and I'd go and I'd be there on Thursday, you know, because I was just kind of afraid that maybe they needed me to be in the Silicon Valley or something. I don't know. Like it was just more fear. But yeah, after the first year, I started telling them like, actually, I live in Boise now. And it was sort of like, oh, cool. Good for you. Moving on. You know, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it wasn't a big deal at all. But yeah. So do you have employees right now? I don't have any employees. It's all through contract. Okay. Um, that's Are they uh, U.S. contractors? Because I know there's a lot of good... It's all of the above, yeah. I've okay. got U.S. contractors. I've got some in, like, South America. I've got some in, you know, Europe. You name it, all over the place. Actually, it's kind of funny. Like, when when I... That whole thing happened with DesignWorks, and I was jumping into Symbiotic. I already had a planned trip to go to Oktoberfest in Prague with some buddies. And, you know... Flights were paid for and all this sort of stuff. And when Dana and I were sitting there thinking about our next move, she was asking me, like, are you going on that trip? And I thought about it for a second. I'm like, yeah, I think I'm going to go, you know. And I started thinking, I'm like, I'm a business owner now. And there's all sorts of, like, talent in Eastern Europe for a lot less. I need to find an agency that I can work with because I already knew that template from working at DesignWorks. So I put a little short list together of, of agencies I wanted to interview while I was there, turned the whole thing into a business trip there you go. <laughs> and went out there and started. And, and basically I found a great one that we still work with to this day. So, so that was really cool. But yeah, like recently, like I've gotten to the point where, yeah, it's time to start hiring some people. So I'm, I'm on the hunt for like project manager. I'm going to be looking for someone to take over like the digital marketing side of things for some of my clients, just so that I can, you know, step out of all the day-to-day on some of that stuff. So definitely in growth mode at the moment. It's just trying to find somebody as a project in and of itself. So, Oh, yeah. In your boutique agency, I mean, what do you say is your income? Web design versus digital marketing? Percentages, you know, how much is software? How much, you know, I say software, but it's really like, you know, web web design, websites, development versus just digital marketing. Yeah. Well, one of the lessons I learned from design works is I didn't want to be all project based. So I kind of saw the writing on the wall for that. And I knew when I started symbiotic, I wanted to have a service offering that had contracts, productize it, sort of, but at least like service based contracts where it made sense. And to me, that was advertising and SEO. You know, because in both cases, there's a reasonable case to be made that those aren't projects. You've got to go through cycles. You got to learn. Got to keep going. All that stuff. Right. Yeah. And so, at least you can get like a minimum, like a six month contract or something on the books that helps secure your revenue and, and that helps you plan for like what's going to come next. So, probably half the revenue at least comes from contracts at this point. So, so um, and that's marketing then, and you, you and you like that because of that. Stable, dependable, yeah, I predictable. Like it. I like it because of that. And I, I also come at the whole thing from a different angle. I think DesignWorks was more brand design first. And, and like web was an expression of that in their minds, which is one way, you know. But it, it's a tougher sell to get people to understand that maybe they got a problem with their brand. And then they got to go kind of redo everything as a result of that. It's, it's a longer, more complicated conversation further up the chain. Whereas when you've got people that are saying, hey, I want to do some advertising, you know, the nice thing about digital marketing is all the data that comes with it. So I can look at it and say, well, well, you know, we want to improve things at all these different stages along the pipeline. So, you know, if we can get your cost per lead down, that's more leads that you can get in. That's more that you can sell. But if you get someone from that 
to actually click that ad to then convert on the website, well, that becomes a function of the design and your communication on that page itself. So now you're talking about justifying, if I can squeeze that just a little bit more and get more people to convert, then that's a project. So that becomes a design project. So I've actually found that we we do better on those projects by getting people in that want to start advertising campaigns or, you know, really boosting their business. The challenge oftentimes is that people go build a website first and then they go looking for an SEO guy or a PPC guy. And those guys tell them, well, you didn't really build the website. Right. Right. And they're frustrated to hear that because they just got done with that project, you know? Yeah. So I'd like to Adam, if we could. So this is always interesting to me looking back on your time with symbiotic. Has there ever been a moment where there was an kind of existential crisis where you thought, Oh gosh, I'm, so young I lost a client or something went south has that ever happened to you at all I wouldn't say existential I I, it actually was maybe one of my more rewarding experiences my the first time I had to fire a customer (laughs) so it was just one of those deals where I mean I had a you know she was paying me well to do some stuff I was building a, a real estate website and it just got really frustrating because you know, I think I listened pretty well and like I understood what you wanted. And and so we'd go back and do the things and like, no, 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 that's not what I wanted. That's not what I wanted. I'm like, okay, well, that's weird because I could have swore that's what we exactly what we talked about. So then we would keep talking and talking. And so I learned, I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to document everything. And at the end of the meeting, I'm going to repeat back to her all the things that she said and get her to agree to each thing that we're going to go off and do. And so we would do that same story. We'd go back and be like, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I'm like, okay, well, you know, if, if you're in the, the process of defending yourself with a customer, you're already losing, mm-hmm. you know, so it, it, it just kind of went on and on and on. So I just said, look, you know, here's some of the money back that of the work that we haven't done, but I don't think we're the right agency for you. So it's time to move on. And so I just kind of like wipe my hands clean of that because I was starting to grow, I think, as a business owner, too, that you realize that certain customers, despite earning revenue, are costing you more than they're bringing. And and that was one of those cases. So yeah, that's probably incredibly important lesson to learn. It is especially from your business. Has there been uh, anything that you would look back and say, I wish I would have avoided that? I wish I would have done it differently. Have you had any of those thoughts or? Well, you know, at times I think I think about like just the timing in which I started, you know, and I don't know if it would have been any different. I, I oftentimes think like, why wasn't I always doing this? Cause I, I enjoy doing it now. I enjoy being able to kind of be my own boss, make my own schedule. You know, there's definitely more financial upside to running my own thing, but at the same time, it's sort of like maybe everything worked out when it needed to work out. You know, I needed that push. You know, I, I avoided risk for, most of my career when it came to that kind of stuff. And I wonder sometimes if I had just taken that plunge, if I'd be in a different place now, but who knows? What do you think? What are your thoughts for symbiotic moving forward? Is it something where you think really want to work with my kids, one of my daughters, both of my daughters, my family, I want to grow it to be a multinational corporation. (laughs) What are your plans and hopes and Yeah. I mean, I definitely want to grow it, but I want to grow it in a way where I can take some of my time back too. you know, because all that, you know, I want to be there with the kids and be a good dad and, you know, have time to like go walk the dog along the trail in the middle of the afternoon and not feel like I'm disappointing someone. Sometimes I joke around. I feel like my, my days are spent 
seeing who I disappoint the least. <laughs> Way to live customer. your life. Yeah. 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 And so I, I want to get past that because I don't, that's not a business that I want to run either. And so just trying to find the right people that can step in and fill those right. gaps. And that's where it comes yeah. in is where you start hiring people. Is exactly. That, yeah. 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 And it, and it's, you know, the model I've chosen, like got me to this point and, and we can certainly work that, but I, I'm getting to the point where I need somebody that's also invested in symbiotic and not, just, you know, we're one of their customers in the mix of the pie. So, you know, just having someone else also looking out for and bringing new perspectives into how to do things better. So that's where we're, we're at right now. So I've got a few job positions opening on the website right now. We're trying to fill and just trying to drive forward. That's awesome. So Adam, you're, you're talking to a younger Adam, or you're talking to somebody coming out of high school, coming out of college, and they want to emulate you. They want to be a business owner. What do you tell them? What's, you know, you have 10 minutes or 30 minutes. What's your advice to somebody in that situation? That's a good question. I mean, I, I would say like, there's certainly like tactically speaking, like the analytics side of me, I, I did some things along the way. Like I took an accounting class at one point cause I knew I wanted to run my own thing. There was, I didn't have a goal of like getting an accounting degree or anything like that, but I knew I was going to need to like learn how to run the books. So you know, think about like those aspects of the business that you're going to need. I would definitely say take a sales class, even if you don't become a sales person per se, understanding the way that works, you know, because it kind of makes the world go around. It's made me a better marketer, you know, better communicator, trying to understand like what triggers are going to, you know, entice people to move forward. So I think as an entrepreneur, having some eye on sales is good. Don't burn, burn bridges, you know, just take the high road when you can and then just stay dedicated, you know, and, and keep that goal up, up there and in, in your focus. Don't get lost in the day to day. Actually, it's kind of funny. Like oftentimes I give the advice to my younger nieces and nephews and it's like, well, if you've got a goal, don't, don't worry about like how big the goal is. Cause then it seems too overwhelming. I said, just do one thing each day that gets you a step closer. So whether that's 10 minutes or, you know, if, if there's all these things you need to do, step one is write the list of the things you think you need to do. Next day, maybe it's revise the list on the things you need to do. Third day, it's do one of the things on the list, you know, but just do, take a step forward. Don't get kind of lost in the, the day-to-day shuffle where you're dreaming about it but not doing it. That's good advice, certainly. I know, I mean, hearing your story, you really are an expert in so many things, you know, it's really great to, to hear all the different skills that you've picked up. Okay. I would like to add something. So on a personal level, so Adam does a lot of work for our insurance company. Mm -hmm. Adam is really incredible, (laughs) really incredible. I remember, you know, my brother Jeff uses his services. And so he turned me on to Adam and I, I, building your business from my end, Mm -hmm. you sort of piece stuff together, right? You, you, do the website the best you can. Right. You don't have a lot of money. Oftentimes when you're starting a lot of help. And so you piece it together with templates and you're trying to do your own content and pictures and different things. And so when I came to Adam, I said, look, I need help. Right. And I've, and I actually went to a different ad agency and said, I I need to start doing ads. And they just wanted to, you know, turn on Google ads and just charge me a certain percentage or a certain dollar amount. And Adam was so great because he said, look, let's build your website. Let's rebuild it. Yeah. It took too long, but <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, everything was busy at the time, but let's rebuild it and then let's build it how we want to advertise it, right. which was exactly what I was hoping for. And, and the job he did was incredible. The amount of attention 
and the amount of precision you put into ads is incredible. Right. You know, one of the first things you told me that stayed with me was it's, you know, the advertising and the marketing that we're going to be doing is more of a formula that we have to turn knobs and, and enter different inputs to get outputs. And, right. and Adam's so analytical with that. And so did an incredible job with my company. He's done an incredible job for other companies. I think, you know, if you're interested in doing digital marketing, Symbiotic is an incredible uh, company to work with. And Adam's, you know, you're, you're in good hands <laughs> is a testimonial that I can give for sure. And so, and this podcast is not sponsored, by. and no, Adam didn't give me any, <laughs> oh, no, thanks for the free <laughs> maybe he'll credit my account. No, no, really though. Honestly, I think you do an incredible job and hearing the story of how you learned all the different skills makes so much sense Yeah, because sometimes you work with different agencies and you're working with uh, an account manager that just has six months or a year of training where right. Adam did from, building blockbuster or brickbuster on his own to the different ad agencies and the different companies you work for is incredible experience. Right. I'm assuming you're building everything in classic ASP still. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, those days are long behind. Long <laughs> dead. Thanks for listening to the Founders Podcast. Be sure to follow the host on Twitter. Search at Jord B. Hansen and at Brandon Minot to discuss more. Also, be sure to visit thefounderspod.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content.